Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fraud Talk. This is Mandy Moody, um, and I am here today with Mary Breslin, and she is the president of Empower Audit here in Austin, Texas, and Mary's also a email friend of mine. <laughs> we rarely get to see each other in person. Um, she does a lot of blogs for us and writes for the Fraud Examiner for us. And today I invited her to come up to our headquarters and tell us about her first case that she worked on. So welcome, Mary. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we were talking this morning about what we should talk about today, because <laughs> we're great planners like that. And we were talking about your first case that you ever had. Um, and you were in Phoenix, Arizona, 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and you were working on an internal audit at a church. Um, so kind of set the stage for us. Tell us, you know, where you were in your career mm -hmm. and um, how you felt going in there and what you were investigating. Right. So I was um, a very young manager in internal audit for a consulting firm. And we had been tasked by the city of Phoenix to audit federal grants and funds that were being given to various um, groups and nonprofit agencies and charities um, to ensure that the funds were being used appropriately. So uh, they usually took about four days. There would be two individuals that would go out and do the audit. They were very, very straightforward. It was all about just ensuring that the cash was spent appropriately. So um, my partner and I, uh, the other auditor I was working with, went to um, this church, which was also uh, a church that ran a school, and it was the school that actually had the programs. And most of the audit, when it came to churches that were running these programs, was focused on ensuring that the money was all spent on the programs and not for anything church-related, that there had to be a strict division. And so we went in with that um, focus in mind. And when we got there... We were met by the uh, chairman of the board for the church, which I thought was rather interesting mm. and unusual. And she showed us around, and she was clearly in charge, and she was going to take charge of this. And she complained um, right from the beginning about how she had written an email saying that, you know, this was not a good time for an audit. She was pretty sure they had one coming up because there was always one every single year around that same time but that the accountant uh, for them had recently, unfortunately, been diagnosed with cancer, and she'd been out as of the past week starting her treatment. And so they did not think that it was a wise time to do an audit because they weren't sure they'd be able to answer all of our questions or provide us documentation for everything that we would be asking for. But they had brought in a temporary accountant from an agency. They had gone out to account temps or, or, mm -hmm. or one of those agencies, and they'd brought somebody in temporarily. And we were introduced to everybody, and we were introduced to this accountant. And the accountant was very, very nice and said, I'll do the best I can to find you whatever documentation, you know, I have. And so the first thing we wanted to look at was um, the money that was spent right before the year end ended because there was always concerns that they would spend a bunch of money that wasn't necessary. Mm -hmm just to make sure they kept getting the same budget. Um, there were habits that some of these charities and nonprofits had that um, we, we knew to always look for, and that was one of those things. So we asked for certain months, the files for certain months, all the spend associated with those certain months. And we knew how much money had been spent because they had to file it each month when they spent the money. And so the lady went, this accountant went and found the documentation, everything she could get her hands on, and just brought it to us. And she's like, I'm not sure what 
you know, is here and, you know, but I'll be happy to try and answer whatever questions I can or go find the information out for you. Were they a one-person accounting department? There was one accountant, um, but the 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 funds were used for two federal programs, one that was for adults and one that was for children. So there was dozens of individuals involved in the actual um, usage of the fund, mm-hmm. but there was only one accountant, okay? Um, one person who managed all the books for it. It was a pretty straightforward um, process. If you felt you needed money for some part of the program, you filled out a requisition form, and it was either approved or denied, and and it was that simple. Mm -hmm. Very straightforward. So we uh, started going through the the invoices, and it it was really a very, very straightforward, simple type thing. Just follow the cash. And I started immediately seeing things that made me scratch my head a little bit. Uh, The first invoice I picked up, I kind of sorted through them and looked for the big dollar ticket items first and foremost. Uh, Let me get those out of the way and then I'll worry about the smaller things later. And I picked out invoices uh, for like landscaping and painting of the buildings and stuff. And the first invoice I picked up was for around $70,000 for painting of the, the buildings. And it said very specifically church and school. And so I put that to the side because I knew the funds should not be spent on painting of the church. But Mm -hmm. sometimes folks will pay one bill for something like that, and then they'll reimburse it out of church funds so they're not paying two bills. So I'm like, let me go find out what's happening with this. But as I'm looking at it, I start thinking, you know, when I walked in here, I don't recall this looking like it had been freshly painted. So I walked outside. And the building in the front clearly needed to be painted. It, it appeared that it hadn't been painted in, in a long time. Now, in Phoenix, things don't last as long because of the, the sun. But I figured it had been at least a decade, if not longer, since the building had been painted. And I walked all the way around the church and I walked all the way around the school. And it was clear that the outside had never been painted. So then I thought, well, maybe they meant inside. And so I went inside the church and that, you know, I couldn't really tell. It was a lot of wood paneling. So then I went in the school and it didn't appear that anything was painted in the school, but I was wandering around and I guess there was a teacher who was working one of the summer programs. She saw me wandering, clearly knew I didn't belong. And teachers are always on high alert for strangers wandering in schools where children are. So she immediately stopped me. And wanted to know how she could help me and get me out of her building. Yeah. Um, but I just I explained to her what I was doing, that I was conducting the audit on the fund. And she launched into about a good 10-minute tirade about, and this was my, ver- my first real big red flag, about how what a waste this program was if they weren't going to give them enough money for these funds to actually do anything good or of value, why bother? Wow. And she proceeded to tell me a story how um, a few weeks earlier they had taken the children in the summer program to, I believe it was the zoo. But regardless, for insurance purposes, whenever the children traveled anywhere on a field trip, they had to have closed-toed shoes and have proper footwear. Um, and it's Phoenix and it's summer. So the vast majority of children are wearing flip-flops or thongs, whatever you call them in your part of the country. And, um, there were four kids whose parents came back and said, we just, we cannot afford at this point to buy the children's shoes. You know, we'll have them for them for the school year, but we just can't do it right now. And so the teacher took the two, two teachers, the teacher and the teaching assistant took the children 
to pay less, to do the buy one, get one free mm-hmm. deal or buy one, get one half off deals that they have there and bought four pairs of shoes. And I'll never forget this. Um, she told me it cost them $23. It was all a cost. And she put in a requisition to be reimbursed by the program for the $23 and it was denied. Wow. Yeah. And so that I got an immediate head tilt because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) That doesn't make sense that that would be denied. Yeah. And so um, I said, well, I'm really sorry, but this is exactly the type of things that we're looking into to understand how the money is being spent. So um, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? And she said, of course not. And I asked her about whether the classrooms had been painted. And she said, well, only uh, teacher X's room has been painted. And that's because she bought the supplies herself and had her sons and her husband come in and paint the room for her. So none of the rooms have been painted. So now I have this invoice that I know is not real. Mm -hmm. Um, And being a a normal human, I start making up excuses, right? Like, what are all the excuses? Yeah. Yeah. Let me rationalize this for them. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's a prepayment. They're going to have it painted. Yeah. They wanted to use the money. Because they knew they needed it before that year end and they wanted that spend, that early spend, right? They just pulled the expense forward, which isn't allowed either, but at least it would make sense, yeah. right? So I came back into the conference room and we had been given the board, uh, the church boardroom to work in as our office. There wasn't really any space where the accountant was because it was a small area. And so they had given us this church's boardroom to work in. And I go back in there and I take that. Um, invoice and I put it off to the side. I know I need to circle back to it. And I'm like, well, let me get a series of questions I have for these folks and then I'll go ask them. And I pick up the next largest invoice and it was for landscaping and playground equipment. And it was um, 50 or $60,000 as well. It was a very expensive invoice. Now I had just walked around the entire outside of the building and I was like, I don't remember seeing any area that was landscaped mm-hmm. or any playground equipment. Um, let me go back out again because I was clearly focused on the painting. Maybe I walked right past something. I go back outside, and in Phoenix, it has this hard concrete light dirt. You know, um, yeah. they joke in Phoenix about desert landscaping. Everybody has desert landscape because it conserves water. And the real reason they have it is because you can't grow anything. Nothing will survive. <laughs> Nothing will survive. So let's just throw some colorful rocks yeah. <laughs> on the ground and call it desert landscaping. Um, and a few cactuses, mm. right? And so I walk around and there's nothing but this hard concrete red dirt and there's some uh, macadam, some blacktop for the basketball court. And there really, there's no, there's some really old playground equipment like that probably should have been taken down a while ago because it doesn't look safe. Clearly nothing has been done. So I'm thinking, well, they must have prepaid a bunch of stuff, yeah. right? So I'm ra- continuing yeah. to rationalize, right? Um, And I put that off to the side. And I go through some more invoices. And there tends to be more questionable things that I'm really having trouble understanding. And I come across an invoice, uh, a receipt. It was a personal expense reimbursement claim. And uh, long story short, it was from a church member who belonged to Costco. It was Price Club, Mm -hmm. I believe, back then. And no, it was Costco at the time. But they had put in an expense reimbursement for several thousand dollars for audio video equipment. Now, I started my career in the internal audit function at Price Club, which then became mm. Costco. I still knew a lot of people there. So now I'm starting to question things. And I think, you know, I think there might be some, some monkey business going on here. I'm going to call my friends over mm-hmm. at Costco and follow up on this. And so I put that to the side. 
But in the interim, I figure I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I go and I ask the accountant and she does not know about any of these invoices. She's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what was done. I just got here. You know, I'm just from the agency. I've only been here this week. So we go and she takes me to the woman we spoke to initially, who was the um, chairman of the board for Mm -hmm. the church. And I ask her about that stuff, and she claims, well, these are prepayments, and we're going to have the work done. And I explain to her, you know, you really can't do that. I'm going to have to cite that, you know, Mm -hmm. in the audit. And I said, but what about this audio-video equipment? Can you at least show me that so I can validate this expense is valid? And she says, well, no, I can't. And I do a head tilt, kind of like you just did, right? Like, (laughs) what do you mean you can't? And she says, it's locked in the pastor's office. And I say, okay. Let's get the key. Well, first I say, well, when will the pastor be back? Thinking she's going to say tomorrow or the next day or something. Maybe he's gone and visited a sick family or something. This is what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking he's a pastor doing something nice. Um, And she says, well, he's on sabbatical. He won't be back for six months. To which I say, well, then I'm sure maintenance or somebody has the key. Can we get a copy of the key? And so just so I can validate the expense on this, it was over $10,000. And she says, well, it's it's not just locked in his office. It's locked in his personal bathroom in his office to which he only has the key. Oh, wow. And I've been something of a smart aleck most of my career, unfortunately. <laughs> and before I could help myself, this came out of my mouth. And mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, I might have caused a little bit of a red flag for her as soon as I said it. But I said... Well, then how exactly is this equipment supposed to be used for the children's program if nobody has access to it? Yeah. (laughs) And at that moment, I think she realized I was on to her. And so I gave myself away. But I, again, I didn't have any real fraud experience at this point. I was learning, right? Yeah. Um, Today, I would handle it very differently, of course. But um, so she says, well, you know, I'll see, you know, what I can do. Um, I know now we have a problem and mm-hmm. I go back and I start looking at some of the other invoices and I start looking for physical, physically tangible things that I can go find and virtually everything that has been an expense, well, I can't find, I can't validate it. It doesn't exist. Is this on the first day? This is within like three hours of arriving. Wow. Yeah. This is immediately. And so I, um, I go back to the conference room again and I, I pick up the phone and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to call my friends at Costco. And I'm like, you know what? Hold on. Let me think about this. And I'm in a room very much like the room that we're in now Mm -hmm. doing this conference. It was a conference room and all around the wall, there were pictures just like there are here of all the folks that were, you know, part of the board, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, important members, people that had helped the church and the school over the years, lots of pictures, lots of names. And I'm standing or sitting there and I lean back in my chair, which we all tend to do when we're thinking, right? And I have these problem invoices um, in front of me. And the invoices themselves, today I would realize were a giveaway. They were all manually created. Some of them were handwritten invoices. And I start looking at them. And one of the names, it was an unusual name. And it took me by surprise when I see that the same name is on one of the pictures. Same last name. First name is different, but it's the same last name. And I'm like, wait a minute, I wonder if that's a family member. That's a really unusual name. And it happened to be the the invoice for the painting, a very large invoice. So I'm like, huh, that's odd. I'm going to have to look into that. I look at the next invoice. Lo and behold, I go through about a dozen of these invoices and the family names are all the same. On all of these board members' pictures that are hanging up on the walls, it looks like it's a family member that's put in the invoice. 
which again, not necessarily fraudulent. Sometimes in small communities, yeah. that's just how things are done, right? But now I'm really concerned. And now I'm I'm pretty sure we have a fraud. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I'm not positive, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. I'm feeling pretty strong about it. And I'm not exactly sure what to do. So I do the one thing I know. I go to the Costco one because I know I can do something about that. And I call a buddy of mine over at Costco and I ask him if he's like at his desk, can he look something up on the computer? And I give him the membership number of the receipt that had been put in. And it was, again, the name matched one of the names in the pictures, different first name, but apparently same family. And he looks it up and I give him the date and I say, can you find this receipt? He looks it up. He finds the 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 purchase in the computer in the system. And I said, can you do me a favor? Can you then scroll forward from that point and let me know if these items were ever returned? Sure enough, within a week, they had all been returned for cash. So they're not in a secret little private bathroom. They're not in a secret <laughs> private little bathroom. At that point, I realize we have, we have a real problem. Mm-hmm. So I confer with the other auditor, and he's finding similar issues at the things that he's looking at. He's looking at different months. And um, the food program, they had a food program where the program paid for food. Um, We couldn't get the numbers that they were paying for to add up. That's what he was looking at. It didn't make any sense. It seemed like they were buying like two or three times more meals than individuals they had in the programs. And guess who owned the food service company? (laughs) Somebody related to one of the board members. So at this point, or I guess even before, are you – I know you're not assuming, but are you thinking maybe the – the chairwoman, the woman is involved. Yes. Knows. Okay. My gut instinct was she was involved because she kept checking on us and Mm -hmm. she was inserting herself in the process where she had no business being inserted. She didn't have anything to do with the school. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So she really shouldn't have had anything to do with these funds either, but she was intent on inserting herself in the process. And today we would know that would be a massive red flag. You know, yeah. I didn't realize that at the time, but my instincts told me there was mm-hmm. something very wrong. Was there any other, or were there any other members of the leadership that you initially talked to, or was it just her escorted to the room to do your work? It was just her, and she intentionally kept us away from everybody else. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, she kept us away, and it was summertime. So a lot of people were out. Um, the folks that worked in the office, Roughly half of them were out on vacation. And then, of course, the school, there was only three or four teachers running the actual summer programs. Most of the school was empty. So it was a very low number of folks compared to what it would have been during the school year. So I think that that was to her advantage to Mm -hmm. keep us away from folks also. Um, So what we did next was we conferred and we're like, what do we do? And we said, well, let's get a little bit more. Let's look at a little more. And we started spending some time on the food issue, mm-hmm. uh, the meals. And uh, at that point, we were like, wow, it, it really does seem that they're spending two to three times more than they should be on these meals. And um, I think it's time we need to to call the folks we're working for at City of Phoenix and let them know. And the individual that uh, we reported to at City of Phoenix, we had done several audits for him. And we, we knew him very, very, fairly well. And we'd never had any issues like this. We'd never found anything other than every – Maybe they shouldn't have spent them. It's gray mm-hmm. area on the mm-hmm. spending of this money, or they shouldn't have spent it at the very end of the year just to spend the money kind of things. Nothing, nothing even close to an issue like this. And so we called him and we told him what we had found up to that point and the things that we had looked at and, you know, the issue with the painting of the buildings and 
the issue with the landscaping and that they might have been prepaced, but should we ask, you know, because now mm-hmm. we had gone and looked at, um, you know, the the Costco things and she said some were prepaid and what do you want us to do at this point? And he said, I want you to just continue sitting there and continue to work or not work, but pretend you're working mm-hmm. and I'll be there in an hour. And up to this moment in my career, and I've had some pretty incredible fraud cases this was still the absolute coolest superhero moment I've ever seen in my fraud career. An hour later, he pulls up with a moving truck and five other men. And they took every filing cabinet and every <laughs> laptop in the place because they, he had spent that – they were only about 10 minutes away. Uh-huh. And he had spent 30 minutes ensuring he knew exactly which computers and serial numbers had been purchased through the fund's money. Oh. And they came and they took everything. And I've never seen anything like it. Um, I, I, I worked on one case where I know the FBI went in and seized everything, but I wasn't there for it. Yeah. They wouldn't yeah. let me go, unfortunately, <laughs> even though I asked. So where is the chairwoman? Is she just standing at the door She's with her standing eyes there. wide open? She's standing there yelling at him saying, what are you doing? Not all of that is related to the funds. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he knew exactly what was within his rights to uh-huh. do. Um, I think they had signed certain agreements mm-hmm. and said that they were, you know, everything belonged to the funds and um, they were allowed to do this. And it wasn't the school year, which I think gave him even more leverage because yeah. he's like, we'll have everything back before the school year starts kind of thing. Um, and we can, we, it immediately turned into a fraud investigation at that point. And they kept myself and the auditor on because we initially found it and we helped them do all the research. And so we went through all and created all the exhibit lists and everything. And it mm-hmm. was my first um, real opportunity to participate in anything like that. And that's it. I was addicted. I was going to say, like, like, was it, you know, the rush? The- oh, massive rush. Yeah. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever been involved in. And I remember... Um, we had other clients we had to work at, you know, and that's how it is in consulting. And I remember uh, the gentleman I was working with, his name was Alan. Alan and I are still good friends to this day. Alan's driving and I'm writing, typing things up in the car as he's driving from one client to the next, trying to finish all the work for this case. Um, the, it was very exciting for me. It was really a sad day um, because the government ended up pulling the funds and it was a really poor, poor neighborhood mm-hmm. that really needed those programs. And what the government said is that if somebody else, another organization wanted to pick it up, they would obviously be willing to consider moving mm-hmm. the funds. Um, but they got pulled and uh, there was criminal prosecution. And what was really unfortunate was the pastor, it turned out, and I wasn't involved in this. This is just the outcome. It turned out the pastor was the ringleader. Wow. The pastor himself was the ringleader and he was the one that had kind of guided the whole process. And what we found out later, he was sentenced to jail. He did receive uh, um, jail time for this. But he had served jail previously for committing virtually the same crime at another church. Oh, wow. Get out. Yep. In the same city or no, in Arizona? in an entirely in different, different state. Oh, okay. Yeah, an entirely different Man. state. Mm-hmm. And I guess you don't do background checks on pastors. <laughs> I mean, I think people do now. You know, we've seen it. A lot in the news now that yeah. that they do. I well, mean, well, now today I don't think it's it surprises people anymore um, that nonprofits and charities and churches have this type of fraud. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a long time where nobody ever suspected that mm-hmm. a pastor would be capable of that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, 
And so, I, yeah, I don't think a background check was done on him, but he was able to um, get them all. So who all was involved? There was seven individuals that they actually brought criminal charges against. Was the accountant involved, the one that was out on sick the leave? The woman who was out on sick leave was the one who did all the concealment. Wow. So they went back and they looked at prior years, and this had apparently been going on prior years, and they had forensic accountants and, and fraud examiners that were that did that work. And and we were not involved in that. But it, it turned out that she was very talented at concealing. And so uh, and she knew what months to put things in. She, you know, just like I teach today when I talk to internal auditors uh, about fraud, and I explain that you have to understand the fraudsters know the audit procedures. They know your processes. Yeah. So if you're doing a cutoff and you're looking at five days before and five days after, you know, month end or 10 days before and 10 days after year end, they know that. They're yeah, going to so not do keep the it, fraud yeah. in those periods. You're not going to find it then. Um, same thing with this group. This accountant very well knew what months would be looked at. It was always going to be year end. She um, ha- and she had great concealment techniques apparently, and she knew what, what areas to stay away from. And so it was because she actually got sick. And, of course, I'd like to say because I'm a better auditor. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't be sure of that. Um that she got that they got caught. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's just like the the loyal employee, right? The the fraudster's always the most yeah. loyal. They never take any days off, most yeah. reliable. It was the same kind of situation because yeah. she was out. Uh we saw things that we probably never would have had access to or ever would have seen. She would have yeah. known not to let she us would have see. Hit them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did anyone suspect anything with as far as the money they were keeping and what they were doing with it? What do you mean? The like the people that were making this money and keeping it. I'm assuming they were keeping it for themselves. The pastor yeah. and the was there any sort of red flags in their personal lives? Well, the the pastor um, like was war, not on you know. sabbatical, and um, he showed up as they were taking everything out. She obviously called him in a panic and he showed up in his brand new Cadillac. Oh, there you go. So yeah, there you go. So whether <laughs> Why don't uh, you take that in the moving truck yeah, while you're at so it? So there's your 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 red flags. Um because we were literally only on site a half day. Her behavior and that car were really the only fraudster characteristics we were exposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean we were there for such a limited amount of time. It was just such it was not concealed at all. The yeah. fraud just was not concealed at all because that accountant had been out. Mm-hmm. And I think they relied on her for covering everything up. Man. So, you know, you mentioned some of your lessons learned from from that one. I mean, what's the biggest thing you took from it? Not to be a, a smart aleck in your fraud investigation? Not to, <laughs> not to say the first thing that comes to my head, yes, to actually keep my mouth shut until I'm certain I know what I need to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely learned that because I could see the visual reaction uh, when her, she said it, yeah. When I said it, and I was like, uh-oh. Like, I felt like I had to physically run back to the conference yeah. room to beat her. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. to beat her before she did something. Like, I got to get there faster kind of yeah. thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely to say uh, – speak the, the least, right? You mm-hmm. know, you want to say the least amount. Let everybody else do all the talking. Yeah. Uh, definitely learn that right away. I I think the biggest takeaway for me was the eye opener about it that this happens at nonprofits and charities. Um, unfortunately for me, when I was growing up, my mom was very sick and she died of cancer when I was 16 years old. 
And we had charities come in and help us and, you know, Mm -hmm. little things like take care of the laundry Mm -hmm. or, you know. And so I had always had this tremendous respect and admiration for people that were involved in charities Mm -hmm. and nonprofits. And I thought it was a very self-sacrificing line of work. And, uh, you know, I figured they didn't pay well. And like I I had all of these misconceptions. And um, it was really upsetting to learn how wrong I was, how bad my assumptions were, how biased I actually was, and how clouded my thinking had been regarding charities. Now, I still think there's a lot of great charities out there that do a lot of great work, um, but I have much more open eyes when it comes to reality, I think. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you're dealing with that trust that's already there, you know, because of those biases. And, and, you know, I think we're all like that. You just mm-hmm. assume. You do. And so that trust is already there. And and there's no questions asked because it's not um, a corporation whom you might also have biases towards. But, sure. you know, it's someone who's doing good in the community. Or should um, be. Yeah, or should be. Yeah. Exactly. Should be. So, yeah. Yeah. And when they when they finally went through all the money, it was – the vast majority of the money for the funds was actually being diverted to the fraud and not being spent on the program. And that's why these teachers were so incredibly yeah. upset, yeah. rightfully so. Yeah. You know, they were supposed to be running these programs and there was supposed to be money to support the programs. But instead, there wasn't any money. Mm-hmm. So where this this teacher that I spoke with at the beginning was coming from was completely justified. Yeah. Only it wasn't the government at fault. It was she didn't realize that the issue was right there within the house. Yeah, yeah. Man, thank you for sharing that story. Oh, you're very welcome. But that was the beginning of my fraud journey. I was yeah, I was addicted after that. That yeah. I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. Did you have your CFE then? No, I did okay. not. No, that was what was in, I inspired me to go then and obtain it after that. Yeah, um, and then after that, I had a couple quick succession frauds after that. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, I definitely have to go get this yeah, CFA. This yeah. is really kind of cool. But I think that I had some quick succession frauds after that because I was looking at things differently. Yeah. I started yeah. to have a very different perspective. The veil was lifted, yeah. The veil was lifted. Now I wasn't worried about did they spend the money in the wrong period. Yeah. Now I was like, where is the money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. You bet. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you to Mary and thank you all for listening to another episode of ACFE's podcast, Fraud Talk. Uh, This is Mandy Moody, the media manager here, signing off. We will talk to you next month.